Welcome back to Ope, a podcast. Today is episode 43, uh, uh, recapping the Iowa game, previewing the game versus Indiana, and any other discussion items today. And today is just two of your hosts. It's me, Jason No, along with... I'm Wyatt Okers. And, uh, which is a rarity. It's just me and Wyatt today. Typically you see me and Griffin, but Griffin's currently in a road trip. Uh, from Seattle back to South Dakota, uh, probably in Montana with no reception. Uh, so he, uh, he may hop in. We don't know uh, if he does. Uh, he, he'll be online. But if not, uh, it's just going to be myself and Wyatt. Lorenz is, of course, busy. Uh, Keegan has a date night or movie night with his girlfriend. And then, of course, uh, Soup is playing oh, Magic man. the Gathering, I think. Or was or some sort of man, game. This, some this, sort this is a week where we could use Soup. But... <laughs> I know. <laughs> But uh, but everyone, thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. Um, I do want to actually quickly recap some other Gopher Sports action that we had this past week. Please week do. Before. So your Golden Gopher men's basketball team is currently 3-0. and I say it again, 3-0 and under uh, first-year head coach Ben Johnson, uh, winning the Asheville uh, tournament or championship uh, as well. Beating uh, Princeton eighty-seven to eighty in a very epic du- du- double overtime comeback win. Um, again, I know a lot of beat writers and some of the uh, writers here in Minnesota is concerned about the lack of depth behind you know some of our five uh, currently five starters and the other two three guys that we've been rotating in. Um, but I think as long as we don't get played with an injury bug and we play to our best i think we can have a reasonable season and maybe back to the tourney we'll see but i feel i don't think that we're going to the tourney but we could see the nit yeah i mean we're and i'm cautiously optimistic about both both of our basketball programs under uh new head coach ben johnson and what third year head coach Lindsay whalen yeah um but i will say last podcast why when you weren't here uh Lindsey Whalen did recruit a top 10 recruiting class though like oh I saw the class and I was extremely impressed yeah and honestly I'm quite impressed with the recruitment that I've seen out of Ben Johnson so far as yeah well. so he, he came in in a really tough spot so he's, yeah. he's doing everything he can to put this program back in a winning position and especially for his first season I, I it kind of reminds remember yeah, when you Remember, remember PJ and his first season where we we're just trying to grasp at anything for within two and a half weeks before early signing day. <laughs> so, you know, kudos to that. Um, I think I'm sorry, women's basketball. I, I'm not following uh, what's going on over there, but besides a great recruiting class, I think we might be one and one for the season for women's basketball. I think I know they lost their first game, uh, their home opener. I know one at least once. Yeah. So, uh, at least one, one, one and one or two and one. I'm not sure, but at least we won at least one and lost at least one. Uh, men's hockey uh, last weekend played uh, Ohio State, splitting splitting that game series, uh, winning, uh, lo- dropping the first night, uh, four to three. Unfortunately, we had a two point two score lead at the end of the first period um, before giving it away in the third period, uh, losing four to three. Uh, but then also women's hockey uh, sweep the weekend, winning both games as well. Um, and mind you, Wyatt, as you and I remember from our freshman years, women's hockey, I think the first night had like nine plus score points scored. And then the next night was about six or seven, like in yeah. true dominant go for hockey fashion. Um Besides that, we I think we may have a couple of Gophers up in the running uh, to uh, or alumni as well for the Olympics coming up this uh, 2022 winter as well, uh, particularly a good chunk in the women's hockey team for the Olympics and a few other sports as well. So looking forward to the Olympics coming up too. I can uh, get behind that. All right. So, um, Wyatt, <sighs> recapping the game versus Iowa. So let me route off a few quick items here um, regarding that game. Uh, we lost a game 22 to 27. Um, I'll save the quarterbacks for last <laughs> as we can segue that. We're talking about the quarterbacks. Yes. Um, Is there any way to ignore that? Yeah. Uh, so we had a, a – 
we had an amazing day at rushing, man. 189 yards on the ground. Uh, Kai Thomas, uh, our redshirt freshman, uh, had 29 carries for 126 yards. Uh, behind him, uh, Bucko was at 17 carries for 80 yards. Uh, Kramer only had one for four. Um, and unfortunately, Tanner Morgan had three for minus 21. But overall, for a, a rushing game against a, a really good rushing defense, again, Iowa, you, like, don't sleep on Iowa, but we somehow... we Iowa's defense is always, always, always good, and that's, that's the strength of their team. So, you know, it looks good when we can run the football against them. Yeah. And I and and it was a solid game too, especially. I'm not I'm, I'm not sure if you watched the game fully, but during like the early part in the first and second quarters, right in the early game, we took advantage of uh, some of the uh, how should I say deficiencies uh, of the Iowa defense was like they cannot move laterally, and which we did by you know doing a toss play, you know to the left or right to Kai Thomas or Bucko, and they can just get yards uh, and you know break one tackle. Uh, at the first level and then either they get the first down or get a huge chunk yardage to get us you know second and third second and fourth then to third and two third and one like more manageable conversions rather than t- trying to you know have tanner throw a third third and ten for example um so you know it was a great day for a rushing uh, and i and i'll say this and you and we all unanimously agree i think i see no concerns for a rushing uh, offense for the remainder of the future if pj stays like Mo Ibrahim, if he stays, he's he's great. Um, if you know, if 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 Trey Potts come back, he is also a solid running back. Bryce Williams finally found his footing again after putting thrusting in the starting role, and then we have Kai Thomas and Bucko Irvin right behind him too. Like I have no concerns about the talent of our run game. I ha- I do have concerns about. Um, being a one-dimensional team, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, as for other uh, key pieces, uh, receiving had an all right day too. Why? Surprisingly, uh, Crab had five receptions for. Oh, Who is, is this it? Griffin? We got him. I made it. You made it. Oh, you're back in South Dakota. Yeah, I just got back. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect timing. We're, we're we are recapping the uh, Iowa game right now live. So, uh, unfortunate. <laughs> unfortunately, uh, right now we're looking at receiving stats. So Crab had five receptions for 109 yards. Uh, Mike Brown Stevens uh, had four for 52. Cole Keith had two for 48. Daniel Jackson was one for eight. Brevin was two for six, and then Bucko had one for minus three. Um, uh, Crab got the century mark in that game. Um, and when he was um, worth noting that Coquipe is one of the top-rated tight ends in the Big Ten right now. Per I think Pro Football Focus, I think PFF. Yeah. Yep. That might be NCAA wide even. Yeah. Which is I find it hard to believe, <laughs> to be quite honest. I mean, the, the big thing about that is that you. It's harder to see the blocking impact, and Coquif is primarily a blocking tight end. Yeah, he has. But he's, he's going out there and he's shown that he can do it all. Yeah. Uh, other items. Uh, defense had a solid. Uh, also played solid as well. Again, only keeping Iowa to twenty-seven points. But key one key thing, we kept them below one hundred rushing yards. Tyler Goodson. And, and that rushing car- and that uh, running back carousel that they have over there was pretty snuffed, like blocked out. Uh, the only times they scored touchdowns was when they we had two. I'd say only were two egregious uh, plays, like you know, like pick routes essentially, uh, where Padilla just beat uh, uh, Padilla, and then their receivers just beat our guys in coverage, and then got touchdowns. But besides that, defense played a solid day, especially. True freshman corner Justin Wally had, I'd say, a good day as well. And I, 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 I love seeing Justin play. Jack Gibbons was also solid. That D line was doing our D, their their thing as well. Um, nothing. Uh, yeah, I've been with Justin Wally this season. I think that there's a bright future for that kid. It's unfortunate too because the 72 yard pass by Padilla 
uh, for the touchdown. Uh, Justin was in coverage, and he just uh, was sold on the uh, out route and just got beat inside and ended up turning around. Um, overall, a good game, but at the same time, that touchdown was the difference, and we knew it was going to come down to just one big play yep. that could determine the game. Yep. But then also, he'll grow from it. He'll learn and grow from that. Yeah, and then another key thing too: Gophers also dominated the time of possession. We had forty minutes of that game versus the twenty minutes Iowa had the entire time too. Um, unfortunately, the final score, as it says, we lost twenty-two to twenty-seven. PJ Fleck, uh, under his tenure, is now zero and five against Iowa. Um, and our trophy case still remains mostly empty, besides the governor's victory bell. Uh, which, if I remember correctly, um, it had to get repaired because apparently during the uh, Minnesota game, I think it got damaged by the everyone rushed the field with the fans and players, <laughs> if I recall correctly. But other than that, um, another year of not getting the bacon back. Um, so, this, so discussion point, uh, and I'll, I'll get this one out of the way first. Uh, Wyatt is, uh, has already said this all season. He, you are not satisfied on what we've seen as special teams the entire season. No. It, it, and to be fair, early in this season, when things were looking like they were going to be starting to go up, I was, I was content with where we were at. And now that we're seeing the same struggles that we've seen the past well, essentially, since we've been at the school, all these troubles are starting to come back up. Um, you can't be happy with that. You can't be happy with missing field goals and extra points and with bad punting. Um, and, you know, I just really miss the days of uh, her, or, yeah, um, Santozo and, uh, uh, and M. Carpenter and, you know, Peter the days Mortel. where we had. Peter Mortel, um, Jacob Herbers. The, when we had special teams, we could trust. And I, I think too is the for the past, you know, several years we've seen a cycle of just what I think could have been really good special teams players, but the but we can't just keep acquiring really good players and uh, keep making the mistakes that we're making. I believe we have good special teams players, but if it's year five and these troubles are still resurfacing, that's when you have to look at the coaching and say, okay, we need to make some changes. Because I do believe we can have a very solid special teams unit at Minnesota, but we've just been circling through, cycling through so many players. And at some point, you have to be coordinator right now. Wow. Isn't this... Yeah, it might be time to say goodbye. And if Laurent yeah. was here, he he been preaching that since I think what year two, year three, <laughs> day one. Hey, let's think, oh, yeah. let's look at things. Huh? Scott Frost fired four Assistance. offensive coaching pieces. Why isn't PJ being looked at to do the same? You got at a certain point, you got to take responsibility for what's not changing. Yeah. And also, too, if you remember, too, like the Board of Regents just signed off on P's extension, too, to increase not only his salary, but also the, uh, the money pool for all the office assistants in that as well. So I'm, 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 I'm not on the mindset that, like, I think we should part ways of Robert Wenger and use that extra money that we got from that contract extension to try to get maybe a better special teams coach. It could be a one or two year rental, kind of like when we had Ed Warner, but like it could be advantageous for the program. But again, I don't know. Uh, again, I know Griffin mentioned this before. PJ likes his coaches to be like great people, not just on the field, but off the field and be great teachers and motivators. Not And and I think that's kind of like when we had Rob Smith <laughs> a couple of seasons ago. When that happens, so I feel like that's I feel like it's feeling like a Ralph Smith situation, but it's taking longer for Rob Wenger. But I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, kicking woes and everything. But yes, uh, we are not happy. We have not been happy with special teams. Um, now, here's the next discussion piece that uh, fans have been concerned about, even like 
uh, fans are like that I know that are that was watching the game and they're not Gopher fans by the way. Like they just live in Minnesota and this is happening like the big game they're watching on Saturday. A lot of them on Facebook just went like Tanner Morgan is trash can emoji, like on on a lot of them. Um, so I'll start off with that. This is I'll start off. Tanner is not Tanner that we saw in 2019. And certainly not the one we've seen in 2020, despite the COVID year. Um, I don't know where to take it from there. Uh, I know Wyatt has some discussion, but I don't know about you, Griff, but uh, whoever wants to go first, go ahead regarding uh, Tanner Morgan and our quarterback play. Wyatt, you're first. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, there's very little to be happy with. Is, is the reality of the situation. We're running the ball more than all but three teams in the country, and that's the service academies. And, you know, the offense has sort of become a one-dimensional unit because Tanner's not throwing the ball like the Tanner Morgan we saw two years ago. And right now we don't have any explanation why that is. It, all we know is that PJ keeps putting him in games. And I don't know if that speaks to what he's seeing out of Tanner in practice, if Tanner looks sharp in practice and then just isn't putting that practice play on the field, or if there really is a problem in our quarterback room where we don't trust any of our quarterbacks to come in and you know show what they're worth more than just letting Tanner ride it out. Um, but... At a certain point, something has to give. Either we have to see Tanner start to, you know, play like we saw him play in 2019, or we have to give someone else a shot. Yeah, Tanner Morgan, I think, this year should finish the season as our starting quarterback, no question. Right now, he is our best chance at winning. Um, I know I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I want to see him throw the ball in somewhere in the 20 to 25 range. He tried attempting 30 passes this week. And I think now that he's, he's throwing more, it's uh, he's kind of exposed himself as he can throw and go 10 for 13 for 140 yards. But when you ask him to do anything more than that, he's only completing 50 per 50 or 50% of his passes. If that, so um, Tanner Morgan uh, and our offense, again, like you said, why one-dimensional? Only our running backs can really run. If this offense really wants to keep running the ball, they need a dual-threat quarterback. Um, that starts with um, Cole Kramer. Uh, Cole Kramer is a better runner, I think, than he is a passer, but we need a quarterback who can do both. They're looking at um, a Jacob Newth, I believe is his name, out here in South Dakota. PJ's been to one of his... Uh, football games he's a dual threat for the Harrisburg Tigers um, in one of the best divisions in the state uh, and he is balling out he can run he can pass um, a little jittery in the pocket but that can be coached but from moving forward when we're talking 2022 it it a quarterback change needs to happen in order for this program to be successful the run game is going to benefit from a mobile quarterback um if the quarterback can run, they'll, lo they'll loosen up the defense a little bit um, because they know they can't just stack eight in the box every time and hold all our running backs to a five-yard gain. And I'm just not convinced we'll see it. I I get that feeling in my gut that PJ will go into the offseason and he'll say, all right, Zach's the next guy up. And Zach's not going to be any more of a mobile quarterback than Tanner was. Right. We, I... I it's a reservation that I have about PJ, and I hope he proves me wrong. I hope PJ goes out there and gets Cole Kramer in the shape to be starting next season. But I'm not convinced that that's what we're going to see. Maybe this isn't the right thing to compare it to, but it kind of has me thinking that this Minnesota um, offense wants to try and build a Tom Brady-esque quarterback where – he just that he passes the ball and hands, or he hands the ball off all the time, and 
pass from the pocket, and that's it. I that's not going to help our program if we want to run the ball the way that we do. The way that we do. And I will mention this too. Um, now that we've seen PJ for now five seasons at the helm and the kind of team that we want, Wyatt, you mentioned it best. We run the ball right now fourth most in the country, right behind Navy, Army, and Air Force, um, our military academies, which is very Big Ten-esque back, say, you know. It's old school, old school Big Ten. Yeah. Se- running the ball 70% of the time is, you know, like 1940s era Big Ten football. Yeah. So, and I and I feel even the you know, even the commentators on the like broadcast mentioned it's very trestleball as well. Like you run the you run the ball, you manage the clock, um, and I think I think PJ, um, I know he likes to mention his roots. Again, he's a Greg Schiano, Jim Trestle guy uh, in terms of his coaching carousel where he has come from and coached with or coached for. But I think we're, um, we need to, I think, I, if Soup was here, Soup will say fire Mike Sanford, our OC and quarterbacks coach. I would fully support. I think that would be a fair take. Yeah, and I would wholly support in the case of Soup, um, for me, I would not hire an OC intern. I know Wyatt off air yet someone in other uh, someone else in mind for that. But for me, I think we should hire outside of the program, who can bring in like you know a fresh mindset. Because remember, we love the art. We love with what Kirk Schrocker brought was we did what PJ was, which is the trestle ball style of offense. You know, control the clock, time of possession, um, and, gra- and pound the ball right with our running backs. But also, we use that to our advantage for play action and RPOs. Because remember, we, we, we threw the most slant passes through the RPO. Um, and my, in my job, of course, we had a Crab, Tyler Johnson, and Rashad Bateman as our lead as our top receivers. And before that trickled in was um, a Demetrius Douglas back then, along with some of our tight ends here and there. But, you know, Kirk Schrock's offense was what we wanted to do, was playing modern plays such as RPOs, play action um, and, uh, and spread offense concepts like Urban Meyer preached during his time with Big Noon Kickoff on Fox about, you know, if there's too many men in the box, use that to your advantage and throw the ball, right? Um, so if we do fire Mike Sanford or he does, or we, or we somehow part ways with which I see a slim chance of that happening because PJ is very loyal to his assistants, as we've seen in the past, uh, I would rather have us go with a coach outside of the program and of course, I agree with you guys. We we can with the current quarterbacks. We either someone steps up to be that dual threat that can throw and run, or in this case, uh, right now, uh, who's going to be redshirted? Uh, an Athen Calamacalis, uh, the four-star recruit from Illinois, that recruited uh, from last recruiting class, is right now redshirting. You know, maybe give him the maybe you know put him under the fire. Because he was, I think, came out from Illinois, one of the top-rated uh, dual threats from from that state. And of course, like Griffin said, uh, what was his name? Griffin from South Dakota. Jacob Newth. Jacob Newth, uh, who's also a solid, uh, you know, a great prospect. Uh, also four stars uh, as a, a passer and rusher as well. So um, we have options. We have, I'd say, a quarterback room. It's just I feel like we're being hindered by this style of coaching in offense that PJ wants to run. Um, but I think you mentioned it while you had someone else internally in mind if, say, we parted ways with Mike Sanford. We know that our running back room is fantastic. So let, in my opinion, if we're not going outside the program, if we don't have a target in mind outside there, I want to see what, what we can do from that area. If we can pull our running backs coach, what's his name again? Mullins. Kenny Burns. Oh, oh, my bad. Yeah, Kenny Burns. <laughs> Kenny, if we can pull Kenny Burns up and see if he has a creative mindset to sort of change how the Gopher football program plays offense, um, and maybe he doesn't. Maybe, maybe that's not the answer. But you know, it's worth exploring our options when we know we have a a fantastic coach in that room. 
one of the best in this country. And what is nice, too, about the Gophers is we can all appreciate running the ball well, and I think that really um, separates the Gophers from when we have out of uh, non-conference games. Like, you watch our bowl games with Georgia Tech, who runs the ball, uh, Washington State, a couple couple other teams that we played in bowl, Auburn even. It's like nobody expects the ball to be run out of conference um like like the gophers it's it's football's becoming more of a passing game that's just how it is but when we match up in bowl games with non-conference people i think why we are so successful in bowl games and why we win is because of our running game we test every single d line we face um at every single level whether it's uh linemen linebackers or dbs so but you got to change in conference too um, you need to adapt. You need to pass the ball. Um, Tanner Morgan can pass the ball, but not consistently. So if you're going to win in the Big Ten, we need to pass more. Uh, but if we're going to you know, keep going and winning six, seven, eight games every year and we want to keep running the ball and just win these mediocre bowls, and that, if that's their goal, then so be it. But that is one thing that does favor the Gophers um, in out-of-conference play. All right. Anything else to discuss about our quarterback situation and our current state of my uh, state of situ or state of the uh, Gopher offense? I'm sure we'll find more next week. <laughs> Probably. All right. Next up, uh, we have two more games for the regular season, guys. Two more. Uh, one away game and one game at home. And this next game uh, for this Saturday, uh, November the twentieth will be in Bloomington versus the Indiana Hoosiers. Um, this is a rattle of some quick things about the Hoosiers. They're currently not having uh, a great season, um, to put it lightly. Uh, they're currently 2-8 and eight overall for the, uh, and 0-7 in conference play. Uh, in their last game, last weekend on the 13th, Rutgers uh, schlacked them 38-3 in Bloomington. Um, the only bright spot of that game was like their shirtless fans uh, at the second level of the stadium, which was, <laughs> uh, I don't know, I had a chuckle watching. Um, versus our Gophers, which is 6-4 uh, overall with a 4-3 and three conference record. Uh, the game will air on Big Ten Network at a 2.30 p.m. Central Standard Time kickoff. Um, yeah, at 2.30. Uh, then, um, in, in terms of the FPI from ESPN, our favorite the Gophers, 68% versus 32% to indiana um and the spread has a has its favoring the gophers minus seven or minus seven and a half depending on uh the sort uh, the outlet uh for sports betting but minus seven minus seven and a half for the game um with over under being a 43 43 and a half as of today uh the 17th so um I, I will start off with this uh why it got me on this train when during the preseason, I would I expected better from the Hoosiers for the 2021 season. Um, yeah, very disappointed in where they're at now. I think they have the right staff. They have the players. This, I this I think they've been hit with, you know, poor play, injury ridden. Uh, the big thing is that injury bug biting Michael Penix Jr. again. Yep. Um, because Tom Tom Allen's not to be slept on. He is a quality college head coach, and Indiana should feel good about him. Um, but when you can't keep the guy who you got running your offense healthy, you're going to struggle. And not having Michael Penix, and I think I think they're now down to their third string guy. I think the second, I think the backup is hurt as well now. Um, you know, you're you're going to have problems when you when you run into a situation where you don't know who's going to be throwing the football. Anymore. Mm-hmm. that's all i have um besides losing the Rutgers, uh I, I i watched the game overall and i will say this um some of the commenters and beat writers post game said indiana just gave up overall like on the on themselves and on the season 
I didn't really see that. Like I saw Tom Allen and his staff just coaching as hard as they can, just trying to make something work. They're putting in new quarterbacks. I think one of them was like a true freshman uh, who 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 will make mistakes, as obvious. Um, doesn't get hasn't had much starting reps, um, and just you know trying to find a way to win. You know they're trying to salvage a season so they can work on it for the future. Uh, so I really don't agree with what these writers and reporters have said about Indiana so far. Again, it's not a they're not doing so great this season, which is pretty obvious record I've seen from the record and their stats. But I think this is a team that can probably bounce back next season and win like you know rattle off six to eight wins probably. So and obviously this season is two weeks from being over. Eight losses, they're out of the running for. Um, but you know they, they their season was sort of over for them when when the the quarterback who makes their offense went down um and you know i think i think i don't think that the fight has gone out but i think that you know they they're put into a situation where they're they're going to struggle and it's not going to be pretty to watch them play football yeah and they had three quarterbacks that entire game guys McCulley, Gremel and Tuttle combining 18 of 42 completions for uh, 177 yards total that game. Um, and then, of course, their more experienced receiver, Fry Fogle, only had five catches for 51 yards, unfortunately. Um, what about the tight end, Hendershot? Uh, only had two for 11, unfortunately. Yeah, because they've got, they've got two dangerous playmakers in the passing game. And they just, you know, when Penix went down, they really lost a lot of the ability to, you know, get the ball to those guys and let them make plays. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all I have. Unless uh, Wyatt or Griffin, you guys have anything else that you saw from Indiana so far this season or from the last game uh, that comes to mind about this current Indiana team? They allow a lot of, um, or I wouldn't say a lot, but a very decent amount of pass and rush yards. Um, so I think we can attack. So I think as the Gophers, we can attack them on uh, both spots there. But I see us running the ball about 80% of the time yet again. Um, average, they give up about 140 for rushing yards and I see Kai Thomas running that by himself. So that and a couple of 30, 40 yard touchdown passes, and it'll be about the Hoosiers, I expect, hopefully. All right. Anything else before we get to some keys of the game? All right. So um, I think for me, uh, for this game, um, I don't want to say I'm used to this or have been seeing this constantly, but I think key to game, we run the ball like we always do. You know, either be the open uh, from the uh, outside zone, inside zone game, uh, screen passes, even the shuffle passes that we did against Iowa that worked a few times as well. You know, incorporating the running backs into essentially what we are is a one-dimensional team in the run game, but somehow make it work for our two running backs and maybe uh, was it Derek LeCaptain, who's our emergency running back as our spare um, and Cole Kramer, obviously at Wildcat. So I'm expecting at least for this key, we're going to run the ball as we always do um, and just, you know, keep it clean and don't be cute. That's all I ask. Cause like essentially right now we are already bowl eligible. We have six wins already on the season. Um, but I also want us to, you know, win more games, either uh, including this Saturday and even next Saturday. I know it's Wisconsin's going to be a tough game, uh, but I want us to go to a better bowl game as well. Because right now, I think we're currently in if we, if the season ended today, and then looking at and some you know speculation ahead of, like, for the remaining games of the season. We're right now predicted, uh, which we'll discuss later. Right now, pinstripe bowl esque. Uh, what I'm reading into, um, or even Las Vegas Bowl, or uh, or or this, or maybe I think I saw one for Detroit. <laughs> um, I say for me, key to game, just 
don't be cute. Play what goes best for our team, and we will surely win the game. Um, except for special teams. I'm expecting the offense would get as close to field goal range, and then we just whiff a three a pooch kick at 30, 20 yards. But that's mine. Man, the game should not be don't kick the ball. But... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any other keys for you guys? I would just say score, score the first couple, uh, score on the first couple drives that we get the ball, so we can establish our game. No, it sounds kind of cliche, but um, I want to, I want to either you know receive or get a turnover, and I want, I want to score two, I want to score touchdowns in the red zone, and and uh, not just kick another thirty-yard trick at field goal. Um, I want a couple possession, a comfortable two-possession lead. Uh, at halftime, bare minimum, establish our game because if Indiana scores first, I have and they are stopping our offense in the first quarter. I could definitely see them and the Gophers not trying to change their way, and they'll just keep trying to play the same game they want to um, and become unsuccessful. So, score first, score touchdowns. Those are my big things. I think the the big thing to add to that is defense. You got to keep them out of the end zone as much as you can. And you know, it's not that Indiana has a super high powered offense right now. Obviously, with with the quarterback carousel that they've got going on, they're in you know this weird purgatory state in their passing game. So we we know that they're not the high powered offense they could be with Penix. But, you know, we have to control that and not let them just put the ball out to Freifogel or Hendershot because if they can get the ball to their playmakers, they will make this a football game. All right. Anything else? All right. 70%, man. That's it. All right. Well, score predictions. So uh, preseason, uh, I said win, and then you two said losses. Uh, so I'll Dang it. I'll go first. I'll say we win. Why is that your fault that I said loss? <laughs> well, when we said that, the Penix Jr. was healthy. Hey, hey, hold, so, hey! Actually, before I say the scores, right now, all three of us in terms of preseason predictions, we're all seven and three right now. Like the only three, only three games, all three of those were wrong. Were Bowling Green, uh, Northwestern because we also were going to lose at Northwestern, and uh, winning. And we saw we also will win in, against Illinois, but then of course we get slacked uh, that game. Um, they're going to say So right now for this last two weeks, it's going to be dependent on what we predicted preseason. Because like essentially our pre prediction spreadsheet has been the same until uh our uh, 10th game of the season. <laughs> so I just want to uh, keep uh, uh, mentioning that, but I'm going to say we win 27-17. Um, to 17. Um, I think PJ, somehow uh, we let them score on us, um, and we, t- but we, well, we still take the win, 10-point uh, lead, 27-17. Uh, to 17. Um, And if we do lose... Six to nine. Nice. All right. Who's next for predictions? Griff, you want to take it? Well, I mean, I'd really love to change my answer, but I'll stick with DL here for now. (laughs) Uh, Let's do... Man. I think Indiana, even though they're only averaging about 18.6 18.6 points per game. I'll still give them uh, 22 to the Gophers, 17. All right. And what happened if we win? <laughs> when, we, when we win, it is going to be 30 to 20. All right. Wyatt. You're next. Listen, I'm going to give us a win. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's going to be close, but we're going to pull it out. 20 to 17. Okay. Oof. But with the loss. 
Uh, I'm going to say 21-13 would be a loss. Yeah, it's going to be Tanner throwing a pick at the end of the game, trying to try to tie, yeah, tie it up. Yeah, like pick six right at the close. <sighs> yep. All right. Well, that's it for uh, our recap and preview for Iowa and Indiana, respectively. So next up, um, next segment, I want to discuss bowl games, guys. Um, so quick items about bowl games right now. Uh, there, besides the playoff games, uh, which likely um, a Big Ten team will get into that, we have there's eight uh, affiliated bowl games for the Big Ten. Um, there were nine uh, prior to the season, but unfortunately one got canceled, and that is the uh, Red Box Bowl in Santa Clara. Um, that's the one that takes place in um, Levi Stadium for the 49ers. I think that's in, re- in, in response to what happened, uh, particularly for that San Francisco area had more restrictions uh, in California. Uh, not just to say it's up, but that particular county. Um, so that game was canceled for the second year straight. It was canceled back in 2020, canceled again this year. So now it's only uh, eight games. Um, so I'll, I'll rattle them off from top to bottom. Um, and they're actually organized by date, um, pretty much. So bowl game number one is the Rose Bowl in Pasadena versus a Pac-12 team. Number two is the Citrus Bowl versus an SEC team. Three is Outback Bowl versus SEC. Four is Las Vegas Bowl versus Pac-12, which is a new bowl for us. I think it's taking place at the new Raiders Stadium in Vegas. Uh, fifth is the Music City Bowl in Tennessee versus the SEC. Uh, number six is the Pinstripe Bowl in New York versus the ACC. Seven is the uh, Guaranteed Rate Bowl versus the Big 12. Um, and then lastly is uh, the Quick Lane Bowl versus the MAC in Detroit. Um, and in terms of some of the articles I've seen so far, I said earlier in the podcast, uh, a lot of people have been saying Pinstripe Bowl in New York, assuming the Gophers only win seven games of, the, uh, the, uh, of our total record. Uh, others, I've seen Las Vegas Bowl, um, and even one or two Christians here and there that say, oh, maybe Detroit again. Um, so, yeah. Thoughts? I thought the uh, Quick Lane Bowl was um, not affiliated with us anymore, but maybe I guess I was wrong here. Um, the I would I would say if we win our last two games, we would go to the Music City Bowl. I think we're still con- going to be considered for it if we have seven wins, but... Yeah, I can definitely see um, us going to the Pinstripe Bowl. Um, I think with the, again, out-of-conference matchups, really with any of these conferences, the Gophers are going to uh, match up very well. I mean, if we can beat an Auburn team, they're, they're a pretty solid team, um, especially with our run game. I'm not necessarily too worried on which bowl we're going to go to. I think regardless, we're going to match up very well. I don't see us going to the Music City Bowl. I'll say that I don't see us being better than a seven and five team at this point, and that's harsh. But you know, I think that that rings true of how the season has played out, and uh, you know that means we probably end up in New York, but, or but say or worse. But say if this happens, right? So. What we we assume this so right now Ohio State is the favorite in the Big Ten to go to the playoffs, which is the play one of the playoff bowls, which is in, in terms of if we were doing the list like from one to eight here, Pinstripe Bowl is like you know where the Gophers will likely go, but say if whoever is representing the Big Ten West and the Big Ten Championship somehow upsets and wins against Ohio State. I wouldn't be surprised if the Gophers go to the Guaranteed Rate Bowl or the Quick Lane Bowl. And I know for uh, for our fans and some members of the marching band, going back to the Quick Lane Bowl again, uh, was it 2015 when all three of us were rookies in the marching band and then during our senior season in 2018 when we won the Axe as well. So I know that's going to be a Debbie Donner for many people, but you know, with the way how things are shaking out, and I, I get it, it's just hypothetical. I wouldn't be surprised if he went to like one of the more lower tier bowls. But again, it depends on how many six and six teams from the Big Ten that we have as well. Because, you know, right now I will mention it. 
Rutgers is one game away from bowl eligibility. Um, of course, Indiana, Northwestern are completely out of the picture, and I believe Nebraska is trying to fight for two more games to get bowl eligible. So, is Nebraska? Uh, say it again. Are they actually in a position to be bowl eligible? Uh, let me double check. Okay, so here is the teams that are already bowl eligible. Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, uh, Penn State, Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, and Purdue. Um, the other teams that are fighting for a spot for bowl eligibility is going to be Maryland, who's currently 5-5, five and five. Rutgers, who is also currently 5-5, five and five. uh... And my bad, actually, Illinois is four and six right now, uh, with Nebraska and Northwestern currently at three and seven votes. So never mind, Nebraska's out of the picture for bowl eligibility. Nobody is actually in it. Uh, say again. Illinois is actually in it. Four and six, they could still theoretically. Yeah, they could win two more games, but I don't know. Let me double check who's on their schedule quickly here. Um, probably. They have yeah, Iowa and Northwestern left. No, no. Who knows? But yeah. Apparently, that game, so. But yeah, that's pretty much it for bowl stuff, so. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, uh, my fingers crossed that we win out for the remainder of the season and go to a better bowl, but, you know, just gotta think ahead here. Um, oh. I know why I said this off air, but I wish Soup was here to talk about Oklahoma <laughs> last weekend. Oh no, Griff! Did you see that? I know you were on a road trip the entire time. <laughs> did, what did I see? The Oklahoma game. No, I did not see much of uh, it, any this weekend. Like I said, it was embarrassing for Oklahoma. They they should really not feel good about where they're at. Because you know they were they they were they looked like they were coasting to the Big Ten title, and then you know they get shown up by a Baylor team that has also played very well. Yep. All season, losing twenty seven to fourteen. Of losses, but you know, a win against Oklahoma basically eliminates Oklahoma from playoff contention. Yep. Even if they win, up. And don't forget, Oklahoma has two games that one is against Iowa State, and then their last team will be their in-state rival, Oklahoma State, who's currently ranked nine in the nation. Games they could lose. Mm Hmm. Iowa State hasn't been playing like the Iowa State team we expected at the start of the season, but they're not to be slept on. And Oklahoma State has been on the money this season. Oklahoma State's a threat. <clears throat> mm-hmm. well, other than that, um, any anything else? Any hot takes? Any discussion points you want to bring up? Or you want to wrap up the podcast here tonight, boys? I don't know if I got much else to contribute myself. Yeah, I'm out. I don't have any takes unless y'all have something spicy to, to bring up. But <laughs> I'm I'm really interested to see how the playoffs continue to develop. Yeah, I I think since he's gonna miss the playoffs because I think two SEC teams are gonna get in. I think Oregon's gonna get in, and I think the Big Ten champion's gonna get in. And, you know, that's not fair, but... That's life. Would be cool to see Oregon lose again. That would change the picture. <laughs> yeah. Didn't they lose to Sanford? Yeah, Early it was season? a ugly loss. Yeah. But a two-loss Oregon team? Can the committee justify that over Cincinnati? Probably. I'd say I'd say it'd be hard if they're on a ten game win streak right now. Yep. 
All right. Anything else? Going once. Going twice. All right. Time to end the podcast. Well, thank you for everyone for watching and listening to today's podcast of us uh, recapping the Iowa game, previewing Indiana, discussing bowl games coming up, along with, of course, uh, some of our other tidbits that we talked about, particularly with Oklahoma. But other than that, thank you so much for listening and watching, and we'll see you guys next week to recap uh, the Indiana game and preview our last game of the regular season versus the Wisconsin Badgers to get Paul Bunyan's axe back at home at Huntington Bank Stadium. Or if you're old like us, it will always and forever shall be TCL Bank Stadium, but whatever. Uh, but other than that, uh, thank you for uh, sticking with us and enjoy the rest of your week and weekend, and we'll see you all soon. And again, uh, my name is Jason. I'm Wyatt. Oh, man. And I'm Griffin. <laughs> and we'll see y'all next time. And oh. Oh. oh.